Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers, where we provide you with up-to-date information on cancer care and research. Our host, Dr. Anise Chagpar, is Associate Professor of Surgical Oncology and Director of the Breast Center at Smilo Cancer Hospital. She interviews some of the nation's leading oncologists and cancer specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. If you are interested in past editions of Yale Cancer Center Answers, all of the shows are posted on the Yale Cancer Center website at YaleCancerCenter.org. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can contact the doctors directly. The address is canceranswers at yale.edu. Here's Dr. Chagpar. Welcome to yet another episode of Yale Cancer Center Answers. I'm Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined today by my special guest, Rosemary McCauley. Rosemary is a lung cancer survivor, and she's here with me tonight to discuss her amazing journey. Thank you so much for joining me, Rosemary. You're welcome. So, Rosemary, maybe tell us a little bit about how your journey all started. I mean, for most patients, it starts off something like, once upon a time, I was perfectly well, and then? And then, okay, well, that's right, I've been healthy most of my life. Uh, This is probably the worst diagnosis I've had. Uh, I have to go way back until 2003 when I had a routine chest x-ray, and uh, there was some suspicious uh, nodules, which... uh, I then went to a pulmonary specialist, Dr. Daniel Rudolph, and uh, he started uh, with CAT scans. So I've been followed with CAT scans from 2003 all the way up to 2012. So wait a second. So all of this starts with a routine chest x-ray, like just part of your physical exam? You didn't have any symptoms? You weren't coughing? You didn't have blood in your sputum? You didn't have chest pain? This was just a regular right. Chest right. x-ray. Absolutely. Just, for just a physical, I guess it was, because at the time I was working at Bridgeport Hospital, I'm a retired nurse, and uh, that was how it started. So, uh, of course, I was very nervous in the beginning. We did three months and six months and then went on to yearly, up until 2012, when uh, one of the nodules uh, was to the size where the doctor said we, we should check it, biopsy it. So prior to this point, they had seen kind of this shadow on your x-ray, and they'd said, well, let's get a CT scan. And the CT scan said, well, you know, there's some nodules, but we think that we can follow it. And they had been following it. And it was only after what sounds like several years yes. that this had grown, and they had said, well, it's kind of changing a bit. Let's maybe get a biopsy. Correct. Correct. That's exactly what happened. And then, of course, the biopsy was done, and it was cancer. Uh, then I had a PET scan, and uh, it was decided that it would be radiation or surgery, which I decided on surgery because uh, Dr. Letero is a chest surgeon at Bridgeport Hospital. I know all my doctors very well because I worked with them. So at any rate, he decided he would do robotic surgery, which I had in June of that year. And um, following that, I went back to work after about I think maybe not quite six weeks, and I was back working, feeling fine, and uh, went to see Dr. Uh, Robert Fullman, the oncologist. He's the one who I started with in the beginning of this, too. Um, so he said I, I, was, I didn't have to go see him. I didn't have to do any more uh, just to be followed, so I was followed continuous with Dr. Rudolph. And I thought, uh, as everybody does, I think it's the five-year if you make five years, and uh, so I'm waiting and waiting, and of course it was only three years. 
and that was uh, in 2012 on one of the CAT scans, uh, there was pleural fluid. And um, Dr. Rudolph said, I, I don't like that. Uh, let's just uh, take some of that out and see what. So, of course, did that, and it, be, it was cancer, cancer cells. So, so just to make sure we've <clears throat> all got this straight. So when that nodule had increased in size, the initial biopsy was just done with a needle. That was a needle biopsy, yeah. And that confirmed the cancer. And then when you went to have the surgery done, they just took out a piece of your lung, right? A wedge. They, yeah. And and at that point, when the surgeon took that out, they said, congratulations, it looks mm. like we've got nice clean tissue around mm. this cancer, and you didn't need anything else. And so then they were just following you with these x-rays and CT scans and stuff. Correct. It was just following with the CAT scans as they had done before. And so, so no chemo, no radiation, no chemo. just this little wedge surgery. You thought you were in the clear, mm-hmm. and then on your three-year x-ray or CT scan, they find this fluid, and they took some of that fluid and found cancer in that. Yes. And did that come as a big surprise to you? Yes, it did. Uh, well, mainly because... Uh, I just kind of, with all my CAT scans, I always got results kind of the next day, you know, because, uh, and uh, it was like a long, it would seem like a long time, you know, I haven't heard from the doctor, and I I don't like to call them. I don't really like to bother them, because I know, but at any rate, um, I got the phone, I got the phone call, and uh, I was in my car, and Dr. Rudolph said, you know, let me call you back when you get home, you know, so, you know, right away, you think, oh, this is, this is not good. And, uh, but Rosemary, don't worry, you know, we're going to send you to the oncologist and we're going to get you on treatment and you're going to be fine. And he was wonderful. But I said, okay, so I got my appointment with Dr. Fulman again and, um, everybody was okay. Um, nothing definitive now because now I needed to get a PET scan, an MRI of my brain and, uh, and I was sad, but I figured, well, you know, just keep going. You're going to be all right. And then it turns out the fluid was not, they were trying to find a way to use that Tarceva, which is an oral chemotherapy drug. And Dr. Foreman felt that, you know, that would be something we could do now. I I don't know why they didn't really want to do chemo right away. So then we did that. And it was a while. It was maybe two weeks or so with Yale. They were doing the fluid to see how it was going to, you know, help me out. Um, And then at the end of all of that, it ended up, it wasn't going to really work that well for me, but it was going to work somewhat for no reason other than uh, there wasn't another option at the time. Dr. Fulman said, let's do this. We'll just try it and while we'll be looking. And the day I was there and he was going to order the prescription, he said to me, hold on. He said, you know, they have a lot of good clinical trials going on, but yeah, on up at Yale. And let me let me call, and I will uh, see if we can get you in one. And uh, so, don't, we're not going to fill that today. So it was so, a great decision. <laughs> so, so, so they had been trying you on this uh, Tarceva, and then they would look at the fluid to see how you would um, respond. No, what happened was I wasn't on anything. Yet, I wasn't on anything. There was no treatment decided. And what happened, also, I had seen a radiation oncologist um, to look at my PET scan to see. I had a mammary node, uh-huh. and that was the one part of the metastasis, I guess. And also shocking to me because I've never really looked at the PET scans, but I saw my PET scan, and all of it was seemed like it was in other lobes of the lung. It, it, it was like 
I just, the tears rolled down my face as I looked because I said, oh, oh, you know, I didn't realize we were at this spot. And the radiation, the, it, it was too small, the mammary node to, to take care of. So that's when Dr. Foreman was going to do the Tarceva. Now, I never got on the Tarceva because the day he was going to do the prescription, he said, let's, let's do the Let's try a clinical trial. And... Uh, it was wonderful. He he called me that night. He had gotten me. Uh, one of the um, secretaries was going to call me and give me information that I needed, and that was five days. And five days later, I was up here in Yale, and I was talking to my Dr. Gettinger, who is like a lifesaver. He's just a wonderful man. Um, so that's when I all started, and my first infusion was June fourteenth. Uh, previous to that, I had been up to see Dr. Gettinger, uh, and uh, I just knew as soon as I saw his face, and he gave me all the options that he had to offer. Chemo would not give me longer than two years, and it would not be, you know, it would be two years of a little sickness and all that. And, you know, I actually gave chemo years ago and mixed it and did all that stuff, and uh, I know, I knew what I was in for if I had that, and uh, he was so good. He said, would you like the, the the statistics? I said, yeah, all right. And then when he said two years, I go, oh, wait, wait a minute. I, I have to do this yet. And, I, you know, I have nine grandchildren, so there's so many things coming up. And he said, well, okay. And then he gave me a little bit of, of the um, explanation of the clinical trial. But he said, let me see if we can get you in. And he left me there with my husband and my son. And um, when he came back, he said, yeah, we're going to take you on, on the trial. So, so let's, yeah. let's, let's stop there for a second and, and talk a little bit about that. So here you were. You had been diagnosed with lung cancer. It had now come back in this pleural fluid. You had had a PET scan, which had shown that it was all over your lung. It was in a lymph node, so they had said that it had spread more than just in the lung. But the rest of your body was clear. clear. They had talked about chemotherapy, but the, they had told you that the chances that that was going to be really helpful in your case was not great. And they had said usually the statistics, now everybody knows statistics are based on populations, right? So nobody is ever really a statistic. Right. But would be on average around two years. And you said, I've got nine grandkids. you got to mm. do better than that. <laughs> um, and so, so there was this clinical trial. Can you tell us more about the clinical trial? Because a lot of people really worry about clinical trials. I mean, it's scary. Uh, so talk about um, what that experience was like, hearing about a clinical trial, uh, what the clinical trial was, and was it scary to you? Did you feel like, oh my gosh, here I am, I'm going to be a human guinea pig, or did you feel like this is really great, this is exciting, and I could potentially help not only myself but other people? Well, you're absolutely right. Sitting in Dr. Fulman's office that day, I thought to myself, oh, okay, now this is just what you said. Okay, maybe I'm not even going to get the drug. or You know, it was all those things going on in my head. Um, but from the time that I sat with Dr. Geninger, I was, I just felt so comfortable. Now I came up for, uh, after reading the consent, taking it home and reading it, I came back up to Yale. I met with Heather Gerrish. She's the uh, clinical research nurse, and she went over every 
single, 15 pages, and also all the side effects. And uh, explained so well and, and took care of us so well that day. I had my labs, and I had uh, the uh, CAT scan, the base, baseline CAT scan. And, and that was all. I, I was like sad, but I, I was hopeful because it's just from everything that I heard made me feel so good. And then, as I said, I, I, it, was, it was sad. I didn't want to tell anybody, only my family. But after that, I didn't want, because when you tell people you have cancer, they, they, get, they look like they're going to cry, right. and then you want to cry. Right. So it, it's better. We kept it like that. Um, and then, uh, as I say, now, you, you want Dr. Gettinger put it out, the whole, uh, what it was going to be, an infusion every three weeks, and CAT scans in between. And uh, when you come up to Yale, you go and, and you have your labs done that day, and then you go... Uh, to see the doctor, and it's that's just the great part about it. I always give him a hug. I don't know. <laughs> I asked his permission first, but he just he's just empathetic and caring and just a wonderful man. And that was part of it, too. I mean, it was easy to get into it because he had nothing but positive things to say about all of it, and he just gave you this encouragement, and I, I just was so happy that I was accepted. So now I'm trying to remember what you wanted to to say so, to know about the treatment itself i i knew what the results of how chemo how you feel this here it's like it's like getting an iv of just plain you're not even anything in it the uh, nurses there since i am on the other side of the fence now and it's always hard to do that they were just fantastic they're all angels of mercy over there my my first nurse susan explained so so well to me and um it was great because I know a lot of the terminology, but at the same time, this is something new and different for me. Yeah. And they uh, check and recheck of a second nurse come over, just like we did with blood transfusions. And I'm just so impressed with all of what they did. And, and there's two Nicoles and there's Mary and Kira. There's just wonderful team. And, and, and being on the other side now, I'm saying to myself, I told them, I said, when I look at you, I remember when I was starting out doing nursing and and you just I want to fill up when I think about them I told them all every time I see another one I tell them you're an angel of mercy and believe me don't they're just and a, and a team and, and that's what the great part about where I worked I worked in a small ambulatory unit and it was the same way we were just a team we picked up after each other helped each other great so all of that it just the whole experience from the time I walked into the building, the very first time, the people in the lobby, smiling, up to the reception, they were just wonderful. And they c couldn't do enough for you, you know, if you needed water or whatever it was. And then going into the, um, the nurse to your, for your treatment, you've got this beautiful chair to lay in and get you a warm blanket, which is terrific. And uh, it just, it's just, you feel so good. Yeah. I never felt, and you know, uh, I don't know if you wanted to know about the side effects, but I was so fortunate there also. I had my tongue, uh, you know, it was 
my mouth and my tongue, my teeth for a little while, but you got through it, you know. I would use children's toothpaste. I'd talk to my dentist, check my tongue, make sure nothing's going on in there, that kind of thing. And then and the itching, which I could easily, you know, find stuff to do. Sometime I would take a Benadryl maybe at night, stuff like that. But none of it, none of it was terrible. It was all the mild side effects that I had. And then I found a way to take care of them and uh, and never interrupted my life. This entire time, never interrupted my life because I knew my schedule. Kira is wonderful. She gave me calendars so I knew when I was coming in for infusion, when my CAT scan was, so I could plan if, you know, whatever I needed to do, a vacation or go visit the kids and stuff. So it, it was it was just wonderful. I And I, I saw, I would tell anybody out there that is, I just think it's so great that there's something coming up here and it's, it's great for them. And the other thing about telling people afterwards, it was so easy for me to talk about the cancer because they would look at me and I go, no, but it's fine. You won't believe it, you know, how good it's going. And so it's just been a, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. And so that day when you were in Scott Gettinger's office and he had given you the statistics on chemotherapy and said on average, you know, people with your stage of disease treated with this particular chemotherapy on average, life expectancy is two years, but we have this clinical trial and the nurse went through the 15 pages with all of the side effects they couldn't guarantee you what your survival was going to be on the clinical trial. No, no, they couldn't guarantee you anything, and except that if you ran into one of the, uh, well, more serious side effects, say if it affected your kidneys or else, we would immediately we'll treat it, you know, or we'll stop the drug for a while, and and there was always like a solution to whatever you were going to go through. Um, and, and as I say, Heather was just so pleasant. And, and then, of course, said, oh, we have patients that are, you know, still. And I said, well, I want, I want to be one of those, you know. Yeah. And we, she just it was just such a, a happy, pleasant person. There, there isn't anyone really in the hospital, and I'm talking about every, every place I, I work, the CAT scan department, everywhere. Everybody was very optimistic. Everybody just, you know, they just gave you hope. Yeah. And all that. Because I, I was very helpless yeah. when it first happened. Because, you know, being in the health profession, you don't want, <laughs> you know what's on the other side. You don't want to be on the other side. So I was helpless and I was sad and, and a whole bunch of things. But as I, I, I just know from the, once I started with Dr. Gettinger and met all the wonderful people I met, I just, my whole attitude was so different. I, I right. forgot I even had anything wrong. I didn't have any symptoms. Right. And so it sounds like you uh, really approached clinical trials as a hopeful thing, as something that instead of being, for many patients, I think they they look at clinical trials as being somewhat scary because nobody can give you any guarantees. But it seems to me that you looked at it in a different frame, that you really approached it to say, yeah, but there's a lot of hope, and I could do a lot better than my two years. And it sounds like you have. Yes, yes. In fact, it, I responded so fast. My uh, about my third CAT scan already it was showing signs of and 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 as I say, you you come in and you see Dr. Gettin, he's got a big smile. I know I'm going to hear good news, and and then you know, it's just. Um, 
yeah, I, I just, I wasn't afraid. I, I just, and then as I thought about it and I think about, my gosh, this is going to be, you know, I, of course, I don't have any other, I didn't have any other issues, health issues. I'm healthy. I, um, I say, I do, um, Zumba. And when I talked to Dr. Gettinger, he said to me, I said, you know, I, I, I want to start Zumba. Is that he said, I don't even know what Zumba is, <laughs> but you, you can do anything you want. Yeah. And, and that's what I, anything you needed. If, for instance, you couldn't get here for an appointment, which I, I ha always have, but it, they would be willing to do anything to make your life as comfortable as possible. And, and, and it was. I didn't change anything. I was still able to do vacations and you know and of course you have your 800 numbers to get in touch with people and and then I have to mention part of this trial also was if you had a um, something growing something moving something that they wanted to do more with you uh, had to do radiation with Dr. Roy Decker so just because of that we had a, uh, we had to meet with him and consult only because you didn't know if you were going to need this so he he was delightful and and I told him a little of my story and he told me what to expect if I needed radi radiation but he said I'm not going to tell you anymore because chances are you may never see me again and that's a good thing yeah. And I just thought that was so, because I was pretty down a little bit then, thinking, how did this go from no cancer to stage four cancer? And, and, and you know, nobody can really give you the answer, but you, want, you wanted an answer, but there wasn't any answer. It just, that's just happened. So anyway, here I am. And I yeah. <laughs> are, you still, are you still on the trial? I have, uh, let's see, I can tell you, next uh, next Tuesday I have a treatment, and then I have one in December, and January the 10th is my last one. Yay! And then I believe, according to Kira now, she's, I said, oh, Kira, it's going to be, so I said, I'm going to miss all you guys. She said, don't worry, I'll be in touch with you every 12 weeks. Yeah. She, so I, I'm, I don't know how they follow you, but I guess might be a CAT scan, maybe not. If you don't have s symptoms, it's... Uh, it's all up to uh, how they work it and what they keep an eye on you anyway. That's for sure. I know that. Right. So. And it sounds like you've been responding to the treatment. Yes. And have the spots gone away? Oh, yes. So I have 100% uh, in my uh, CAT scan last December, which was like, hallelujah. It was like, oh, my gosh. And, and of course, you still kept going. So the last CAT scan was the same. No evidence of disease. No evidence of metastasis. And therefore... Uh, the one I had today, and I had one today, and then when I go on the 29th, I'll see Dr. Gettinger, and then I'll, uh, you know, we'll talk some more, and I'll see what how things are going to go. But sure. the greatest thing about this is that I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, others in the trial, that have responded as quickly, and that's, uh, that's so hopeful, and, mm -hmm. and it really makes you fill up to think about, you know, the great yeah. things that are ahead of us, you know, for our children and grandchildren. Because you were first diagnosed in 2003, is that right? No, 2003 was I first was being watched. Okay. With the and then on to the uh, uh, 2012 when uh, there were many. I had lots of nodules, but they were all benign and you know uh, nothing to really worry about. And and many were so small. As Dr. Ruro said, you wouldn't, you, you're not going to bother them. Nothing's going to, but it was uh, as they grew. And I think, I believe it had to be at least a centimeter before they would even, you know, consider doing that. So, so how many years has it been that you've 
you've been now cancer free from your diagnosis? Well, for the 2003 to 2012, and then of course in 2012, it was only three years. As I said, I, I would like to have five years. I mean, all all my nurse friends and people in the hospital and all, yeah, five years. That's the that's the thing. So at three years, like I was like, oh no, this isn't this isn't supposed to be. Yeah. But um, but all it's it's the same thing. People say you're in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time. I just seem to be in good places when this happened to me, and stuff just worked out the way it did because of. Uh, and I just was so grateful every time. I, I still remember that first day I met Dr. Gettinger, and I'm telling you, he just changed, changed my attitude because it really wasn't as great as it is now, of course. Yeah. Well, hopefully tomorrow when you see him again, he'll again have a big smile on his face and oh. tell you that your CAT scan looks perfect. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for yes. being our guest here today on Yale Cancer Center Answers. This has been such a wonderful, happy uh, show, and we are going to sign off and wish everyone a healthy and happy tomorrow and the best of the holiday season. Oh, thank you so much. It was very nice meeting you. This has been another edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers. We hope that you have learned something new and meaningful. If you have questions, go to YaleCancerCenter.org for more information about cancer and the resources available to you. We hope that you will join us again for another discussion on the progress being made here and around the world in the fight against cancer.